This is Ibarian X, and welcome to The Candid Frame. Movies going as far back as Funny Face and Blow Up have romanticized what it is to be a fashion photographer. Now, shows like America's Next Top Model continue to promote the myths, what it means to be both in front and behind the camera. My friend Bruce Smith has been a player in the fashion game for over 30 years, and I attribute his longevity to more than just being able to produce beautiful and effective photographs consistently for his clients. It's also about understanding your role in the life and the work of the people you're collaborating with. Yes, it's, it's ultimately about the photograph, but it's also about all the other things you do to make that happen, which are as deserving of attention and care. Well, welcome, Bruce, yet again to the Candid Frame. It's always a, a fun time to have a chance to talk to you. Oh, great, because it's, uh, it's nice to do another interview with you, Baron X. It's been a long time. So. Yeah, yeah. I've um, known you for quite a while, and I've always really admired your, not just your work, but the way you work. Mm. And I thought one of the things to, I wanted to talk about in this, in this conversation with you was, was how someone sustains a career over time. And it, it came to mind because I was talking to a lot of young photographers and they always think about that first opportunity, that first break. And I think the reality is, is that once you get that break, as soon as you're done, you have to either go on or create the, the next opportunity. And you've been doing this for quite a while. So I would thought that this would be sort of an interesting point of conversation for us in terms of mm. how does that idea sort of change and manifest over time? Because as we've talked about before, you've had numerous breaks throughout your career like any journey it starts with a with a single step i guess you know uh, i mean going right back to the very very beginning i mean my i started out as a graphic designer actually that was the sort of plan uh, or i went to art school to do graphic design and uh, i wasn't very clean and tidy <laughs> i was a bit messy with my work so so i wasn't really sort of uh, a natural graphic artist, so I spent a lot of time in the in the dark rooms at the in the studio at the uh, at my college, and using photography to create visual derivatives, you know, or, or using photography and then playing about with it uh, with various different sort of processes of lift film and posterizing and so on and so on to, to to make interesting graphic art, you know. And when it came to the end of the sort of uh, my college days, uh, we had a, a part of the assessment of the work was done by outside creative companies. So your work was displayed, and I can't remember what the percentage was, but there was a certain number of, of your marks came from, from the opinions of the professionals. Um, myself and one of my fellow students were both offered an, an, an interview to become an assistant in a catalogue studio. Uh, and I got the job. The, I mean, the other guy was very, he, he was extremely technical. You know, he's one of these guys who, who knows about f-stops and shutter speeds. <laughs> I mean, although I know about f-stops and shutter speeds, but he was uh, uh, certainly extremely technically minded, you know, and wasn't particularly creative with his photography. But I got, I got the job, you know. During the sort of process of uh, winding up cables, brushing floors, loading film, making cups of tea and stuff, um, uh, which was a sort of a, like 90% of the job, you know. They eventually sort of allowed me to sort of uh, get my hands on a, on a camera. And actually, it was a plate camera. I mean, it's not, well, I suppose it is a long time ago, if you think about it. I was like 19, so it's 
30 something years ago. And uh, I was allowed to take some pictures of boats, which wasn't very inspiring. Back end of the mail order catalogue. Anyway, at, at some point during the sort of uh, my time there, there was some denim clothes that were needed to be photographed that were the, the back end of a trip from another photographer. So um, anyway, I didn't shoot it, but of course I was you know, there in the process or assisting the photographer that was actually taking the pictures. And uh, I quite liked it. I thought this was more exciting than taking pictures of rubber boats, you know. Anyway, I, it, it sort of struck me that that was a bit more interesting and a bit more sort of down my street. I was actually very bored there, actually. I mean, I, I, it was quite um, an opportunity that other people would probably give their right arm for, as in just to get involved and just to be an assistant in a studio, you know. I mean, I get a, a massive number of people sort of asking me these questions that you're sort of, the, or the line of questions that you're, you're asking about these things. You know, when did you get your big break and, and how did you get started and all this sort of stuff and things. But uh, I had this opportunity and uh, unfortunately that opportunity actually slipped away from me because uh, remember we had that conversation um, about being fired. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> a, long, a long story, that, but I'm, I won't go into that one. But anyway, be, be, because of this sort of, uh, this little day spent sort of, uh, uh, involved shooting this sort of this fashion pictures. I thought that's a bit more up my street. So yeah. anyway, I actually left the studio under the under the cloud and went to work in a supermarket for a couple of years, as you do, stocking shelves. Uh, and I decided that uh, this wasn't for me. And I actually set up a little studio. And again, doing you know, like, again like a lot of people do, they do you know, doing weddings and portraits and stuff. And I didn't think I was very good at it, so I didn't like it. <laughs> so mm. anyway, I did some I did some pictures for a hairdresser. You know, for the Weller Hair Awards, uh, working with two amazing models. And this amazing work this guy did with this hair was fantastic, you know. And that just spurred it on. I thought, That's, this is it. This is, a, this is what I want, you know. So I started pursuing testing with models from the various different agencies. And it grows from there. And actually, if, if not every single young photographer or even older photographer that tries to break into shooting fashion, for instance, that not everybody has the opportunity to go and do an, be an intern or be an assistant for a renowned photographer. They do say that the, the route to success is to be, you know, is to go and assist somebody with a name, you know, and let your career grow that way. But because not everybody, not everybody has that, you know, well, that's not available to everybody. You get, you get a lot of people coming to you asking to do just that with you. So I know, and I know you can't say yes to, you know, the great majority of people that are coming to you, but what's, you know, what do people do? I mean, cause you know, you're not made of money that you can have seven assistants, you, you know, or anything like that. So mm. for people who are out there who want to be able to do this, but that that's not an option, what's, well, you can, I mean, you can do it on your own. I mean, you know, oh, okay, it, the, the journey is going to be hard. I mean, my journey has not been easy, and it has, and it has not been a. It's a uh, as Bert, Bert Lancaster, or or, or anyway, one famous actor at, uh, during an interview on the Actors Studio made the comment. It took me thirty-five years to become an overnight success. You know, <laughs> so it's a it's a, it's a long process, and you, you evolve and evolve and evolve, and of course. It's like anything else. Once you've got something, it then becomes, oh, well, it's now history. So you get that job and it's fantastic and you, you, you obviously it boosts your confidence. And that's what happens. You're, you're on a journey of your confidence levels being uh, increasing and also your skills and, and abilities actually improving all the time. And the, the, the way I see it is if, uh, if somebody actually looks at, for instance, the fashion world, Okay, you look at what the fashion world actually produces, and the, the key to it all is that they are 
selling. Okay, so we are providing people with images to sell as against the, the image to, to, to be a piece of art, for instance, like a, you know, like a beautiful landscape. But even though a beautiful landscape has a commercial value, and the, the way I see it is a picture can be judged by the amount of time that people are captivated by that image. And if, if you can produce an image at this point in time in the conversation, it doesn't matter what it is of, basically. It's just a case if you can produce images that people will look at for one second, that's a great achievement because we're all looking at pictures constantly all the time. But if you can make people look at your pictures for two seconds, that's a 100% improvement on one <laughs> second. And it's okay. It's only two seconds, but it's a captivating process. People are captivated by the image enough to actually want to explore it. And this is why we go through the sort of laws of composition and things you know, to make people to look at the picture um, or to be led through the picture. It's the same process if you're shooting a landscape or if you're shooting a piece of fashion. But the idea is you draw people in to look at the picture, okay, to actually to see certain parts of an outfit or the certain parts of the outfit that actually are its unique detail, for instance. I mean, I, again, shooting a lot of bridal wear. Uh, every bridal gown has uh, a beautiful bodice, and that's the thing that sells the dress at the end of the day. Um, you've got to be able to take a picture of that that actually make people look at it and make people take in the information and the detail and the quality and, and so on and so on. Um, and make people look at that picture, stop and look at it. Okay, so, so anyway, a, a picture has to sell. In the process of taking fashion pictures, for instance, I I can't really talk in great detail about any other uh, area of, of commercial photography because I, I'm, not, I'm not involved in it, you know. But with shooting fashion, there's three major areas, okay, of, that an image is actually taken for, again, all based on the process of selling. But a picture will be taken for advertising, a picture will be taken for editorial, or a picture will be uh, taken for a catalogue, okay? So the catalogue picture is designed to sell off the page, so that picture has to have everything about that garment, the way it hangs, the color, the cut, the detail, the, t- the texture of the fabric, you know, uh, and how the, piece of, how the garment is worn, basically. Um, a picture that's taken for an editorial for a magazine is about reflecting trend. So it's about reflecting the fashion trends. It's not necessarily about the garments. A lot of people ask us, well, I look at the pictures in the magazines and you can't even see what the garments look like. That's not the point. You know? The point is it's about a reflection of what's actually happening. And added to that, there'll be a storyline. And the storyline can be anything from just color to season to even, even to the point of a political statement at the end of the day, like a photojournalist would take yeah, like a, a story that they shoot of, of a, some event or whatever it is. It's the same process. It's a story. All the pictures actually have a, a link to each other. Uh, an advertising picture, although advertising pictures in fashion tend to have an awful lot of the editorial feel about them uh, because they're about obviously reflecting trend, but the key is that they're actually influencing people regarding the brand. Okay. Now, that's the three main sort of things that people have to look at when they're deciding, okay, I want to be a fashion photographer. Uh, You've got to say, well, okay, how am I going to make a living? So I've got to decide on what sector of the industry is my target. Obviously, like anything else, they all have different values as far as the fees you're you're earning. If you're shooting for magazines, you don't earn a great deal of money, but you get showcase. Once your pictures have been in a leading magazine, you, you become more in demand. So you, your showcase creates credibility and the clients who are looking at you as a potential to shoot their collection for them 
I can have confidence in you. They've seen your work. Somebody else has made a decision about your work. And again, that's another key thing, actually, is in this process of growing or starting out. When you've got your first client, then you've proved yourself. Okay, you've got, I now have pictures that have been published. Somebody has been through the decision-making process of having confidence in me or in them uh, as a, a producer of an image that will work for them. Shooting fashion. I would, I would guess shooting most things commercially, you, you have to be a specialist. You have to be, uh, and not just a specialist at shooting fashion, you have to be a specialist at actually shooting within those sectors that we're talking about, as advertising, editorial, or catalogue. You can spend your whole life being a catalogue photographer, for instance. You know? Catalogue is a commercial project, so, and you're earning decent money for it because the client actually is, is using your pictures to sell. So if you take great pictures that actually sell those clothes, that client's going to keep coming back to you. So, but how do you sort of develop that sensibility? Because, you know, th- there's a lot of focus in terms of just shooting about creating images. But what you're talking about is sort of having an understanding in terms of what the client needs. And, you know, when you yes. first get those early commercial jobs, or the, uh, ad- early advertising jobs, you really don't know mm. anything. You just kind of know what <laughs> yeah. to shoot. They know that they like what you're doing. But mm. how do you sort of develop a sense of being able to not just produce a picture that you like, but something that someone else mm. is happy with enough to the point mm. that they want to pay you for? That is, a, 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 again, it's a learning curve. And the beginning of that learning curve was a, a conversation I had with my mother. And my mother used to get quite not, she didn't get upset or angry with me, but there was, there was always prints in, my, in the bath at home washing, <laughs> you know. Uh, my mother would always sort of, uh, you know, she'd have a look at them and things and she'd say, oh, nice pictures in the bath today. And, and usually either half naked or naked girls or, or fashion pictures or whatever it was. So, so it, it amused her and she would have her little say what she thought about them. Uh, some, somewhere we were having a conversation about, you know, about fashion. And she said, well, you're not a fashion photographer. And I'm going, well, what the hell does she know sort of stuff? You know, that's, you know, I am a, or I, I aspire to be a fashion photographer. She said, but you don't take fashion pictures. She said, you take pretty pictures, very nice pictures, beautifully lit pictures, but you're just taking pictures of pretty girls. And this is the division. So I'm thinking, ah, right, okay. Obviously, when somebody makes a statement like that, you start to think about it. What is it that she actually means? And what is the difference between a fashion picture and a picture of a pretty girl. A portrait, for instance, is a portrait of somebody, you know? But a fashion picture, actually the model becomes, she's important or he's important, or, um, but the important aspect of that picture is the clothes. The clothes have to be the hero. After that conversation with my mother, I started looking at my work and thinking about this, thinking, well, if I want to become, if I want to become a successful fashion photographer, I've got to learn the difference between a picture of a pretty girl and a, and a fashion picture. And that's when, right, okay, so you look at all the various different usages of fashion images and, have, and analyze the pictures to see exactly what those pictures are about, what those pictures are telling us. Is it a political story? You know, is it a story about fashion? Is it about selling those clothes off the page? So uh, and a, a client comes to you, the first question I ask is, well, what are the pictures? Oh, well, most of the time when a client calls me, I know what their pictures are going to be about, you know, because I'll have probably chased that client for many years before they actually come to me <laughs> and looked at the pictures that they're actually producing. Now, that is, the, again, the key thing is actually looking at the pictures that, are, that a particular client um, have produced before. 
that gives you a benchmark. You know, that gives you, um, well, it tells you a lot of information. It tells you the uh, input that they have to their photography. I mean, they may just be clean, white, cut-out pictures on a, you know, in, a, in a, a very sterile environment. Or there may be pictures on location, or there may be pictures in a, you know, outside, or they may have gone to some exotic beach somewhere. So that way you can actually tell you know, what they've produced before and how you can approach the project yourself to see what you've got, what you're up against, basically. Yeah. And it's very hard to actually literally to remember the exact process that I actually, that I went through in this. But that is a key thing is actually, right, okay, I've got to take pictures that are of fashion, not just pictures of pretty girls. And to do that, you need to have the input from the team members, for instance, you know, the stylist, the hair and makeup artist, and the model, these are people who actually put together the fashion. Because fashion's not just about the clothes. The fashion's about everything. It's about the lifestyle, the look. It's, this is all fashion, you know? Without that aspect to it, but you're not producing pictures of fashion. You just mentioned that the idea that you would pursue a client for a long time, maybe for a couple mm. of years before you actually sort of landed them. Yes. So did you find that at any point that you felt like you had arrived or did you always feel like you always had to be hustling, that you always had to be in pursuit of that next opportunity, that you really couldn't rest on your laurels or any big success that you might have achieved at any point? Nothing has landed in my lap easily. Uh, work is even today still hard to find because, I mean, the competition today is phenomenal with every Tom, Dick and Harry being able to sort of take reasonably good pictures because of the technology today, whether they have the experience to be able to produce a high-end project, for instance, like the swimwear shoot that we were talking about before, where there's a lot of things involved, you know, the travel, organizing, making sure the place is right, what's the weather going to be like, and, and what equipment do you need to take, and, and, and you know, picking the right models, and uh, so, many, so many things, you know, it's not just a, oh, a, a, a set up a day and do it, it's a lot of preparation work. And uh, knowing the pitfalls, knowing what to expect, because if something's going to go wrong, it's going to go wrong. Do you know what I mean? You know? yeah. And as a photographer, you, I mean, you go away on a trip, for instance. That was, a, uh, let's say, a seven-day trip. And the team of people were only there at the times when they were needed, because we had a, not two complete teams, but we had different models coming in and going out again. And so we didn't have any leeway for weather. And we were in Borneo, and during the rainy season, for God's sake, you know, and it's like, and when it rains, it rains for four days solid, you know. Fortunately, we actually, uh, we, we didn't get the weather we wanted, you know, but, um, uh, but you've still got to come back with pictures. You've got to have plan A and plan B. You can't just go, well, ah, right, I can't shoot today because there's no light, you know. It's, uh, you, you have to make it, <laughs> you know. T tell us about how, how you, let's talk about this particular job, the one that you re recently did mm. for the swimmer. A company yes. in, in in Borneo. How did yes. how did you develop the relationship with the client? It was the second shoot I'd done for them. I shot for them uh, quite a number of years ago, sort of five or six years ago, actually the first time. But uh, as I heard through not through the grapevine, but I, as I heard from uh, other people who've been talking and stuff, that they never ever give the same photographer the, the job again. It's always a a one-off situation. Hmm. So I guess like most clients, another important factor, actually, all clients want something fresh, exciting, and new. 
And that's what being a fashion photographer is about, is actually taking pictures that are showing, that have something about them that is exciting and new, or reinvented and not so new, you know, because uh, we go on this process of recycling, you know, recycling the history. And the fashion industry recycles history. But uh, that particular shoot started out actually with a guy called Wayne from Hong Kong contacted me about coming on one of my courses to learn to shoot. Anyway, we were in the process of, uh, of trying to get him signed up onto one of my courses. And uh, obviously him being in Hong Kong and my courses at the time were in London, it became quite tricky because it was a case of fitting it in around time that he could have off from his work. And at this early on in the process, I didn't know that he was the catalog manager uh, as in, in charge of producing their catalog for one of the biggest swimwear companies in the world. <laughs> and it was uh, out of the blue one day, I got an email from him saying, uh, would I like to shoot the next collection? It's 400 pieces of swimwear. We were originally going to shoot it in Bali, but there were bombs going off in Bali, so we shot it in Australia instead. Again, that was a, that was a much bigger production. I mean, 400 pieces of swimwear, it was a 10-day shoot but I actually managed to finish it in eight because the client was such a, a driver. Um, we were shooting 35, 45 pitches every day wow. uh, and sometimes more. Um, but I had, a, I had five models. So the models are in rotation because they're poor little deers. You couldn't sort of work them that hard every day for, for eight days. So we had three models who were working and two were off. On every every day and sometimes we'd change them from the morning to the afternoon if you know what I mean so they were always fresh and of course it, uh, the, the pictures had variety I, I shot the whole thing as a series of stories of anything between sort of six and twelve pictures otherwise you're going to end up with a, a catalogue that all looks the same and it gets quite boring and so we split all the swimwear up into different themes because the swimwear designs all fitted in with different things. Flowers, stripes, something a bit more contemporary, something a bit traditional, something for the jungle, something for the beach, you know. So I basically invented these little stories for the whole shoot. And, of course, I wanted, you know, I'd, I'd want the same model to rewrite through that story. So, again, to make it look similar to an editorial in a magazine, if that makes sense, because the editorial picture in a magazine has a little bit more lifestyle to it than a catalogue. And also, so I don't want to shoot the same pictures and you know, hundreds of pictures exactly the same. I want them to be exciting and new. <laughs> so you're talking about how you got the, the job. The job, yes. To Hong Kong. But this particular job, was it that was associated with the guy that you had met in Hong Kong? Was that a... It's the, the same, same client. Yeah, so why did they a, come back to you? Because you had mentioned that they never consider returning to another photographer. Did they explain why they wanted to work with you again? I mean, the first production that we did for the first shoot I did for them was actually very nice. I, I, to be honest with you, I actually, I actually expected them to give me the shoot the next time. And then I thought, oh, maybe they'll give it to me the next year and so on and so on. I'm not very good at uh, how to explain this follow-up, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm not very efficient in that respect. I pro- probably should be a lot more. And uh, I feel that the client, if the client wants me, the client will come to me if that makes sense. And I rely on and a lot of the process of my career evolving has actually been a lot of serendipity involved in it, you know, as in the universe giving me the work. No, the universe is not going to give me the work. The reason why you get work is because your images are out there for people to see. 
and people actually relate to those pictures, they see that those pictures that you're taking actually match their philosophy and obviously will achieve their objectives, which again, coming back to what I was saying before, is all about selling. And I guess they saw they liked the shoot and actually Wayne was the guy who plugged for me to his boss. I said, well, why don't we use Bruce again? He did a good job last time, and, and I don't—I I mean, I didn't actually ask him the questions, you know, how come you use me again sort of stuff. It was, it's quite obvious at some point in time that they've gone, ah, right, okay, let's just use Bruce. So he did a good job, you know. Well, it's the whole idea of having, having a cheerleader in there, someone who is really – who loves your work, who likes mm. working mm. with you. I think that's a big – part of it it's it's the work yes the work is is great because you're able Mm -hmm. to deliver the goods but oftentimes it's about people saying i really want to work with this person again for whatever reason when you're spending 10 days two weeks even if it's just a day uh in the process of actually shooting pictures with a client you become close people You 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 have to get inside each other to although i don't tend to do a lot of work that's art directed and even when I'm shooting pictures that are for advertising, okay, I have a layout to follow, but I'm not actually, I'm, I actually don't need to be directed. You know, once the client's instilled in me what the feelings and thoughts are for the pictures, I build it up myself. Do you know what I mean? I know what yeah. they need. You know? And this particular client for this swimwear shoot, we went through a process over the 10 days of building a great understanding and respect which actually is, again, a very, very important factor. There's a lot of responsibility on the client's head, for instance. If they're an employee, for instance, I often, most of my, in fact, most of my clients are actually the designers themselves. So, so I don't actually have that uh, problem where I have to deal with somebody whose job's on the line, okay, which, is, again, is a key factor. On that particular shoot, for instance, the client actually was under a lot of stress and under a lot of pressure to come back with pictures that actually work. Now, me as a photographer, my instilled inside me is that I must produce pictures that are going to work for my client because otherwise, what's the point? You know, there's no point in shooting them if they're not going to do what they expect them to do or need them to do. Yeah, and I think that's really kind of speaks to this whole so whole idea that I was kind of starting off with in terms of how mm. you sort of sustain career over time. And I think that mm. it's not just becoming a better and better photographer. I mean, I think that, I think that goes without saying, but I think part mm. of it also is is becoming sensitive to the needs of the people that you're working for and you're working yes. with. Not only sort of the client itself, whether it's the designer or whoever's writing mm. the checks, but also everybody who's on your your, your team. And I think that's one mm. of the things that I've I've from having the opportunity to see you work w- with people, I think without exception, every time I've seen you, everybody on that team always wants to work with you again. Mm. Well, this is the thing because uh, uh, when we look at a picture, we judge that picture. You know, uh, okay, it's, is the picture good? I mean, sometimes it's not, but they, but we judge a picture by who it is by, who it is of, or who it was for before we judge the picture for the picture. And this is why we can have certain great photographers that they're, they're no different, they're no better than this other photographer. Their opportunities are different, you know, their connections are different. It's a big connection industry. And uh, one of the mistakes that I actually made in my early part of my career, which is, again is important for people listening to this, is I didn't network. I always believed that networking was a dirty word. Uh, it's not, <laughs> if you know what I mean. It's the only way to actually circulate. 
and get to see or get to be with or get to rub shoulders with or with the people who are the decision makers. And the process of picking up the telephone to call somebody up to say, kind of come in and see you with my portfolio um, is the same process. It's a, it's a part of the networking process and you seek out the opportunities. So you've actually got to, okay, so a mechanical process, for instance, for people to follow. Um, I'll try and make this practical without fluff, <laughs> you know. Um, key thing is to look at the fashion image. Okay, so spend time looking at magazines and newspapers and, and magazines and newspapers and things that, that, I mean, there's always fashion pictures there somewhere. So if you spend your time in the magazine shop looking at all those different magazines that there are, you're going to actually see a good variety of a mixture of standards and a mixture of, of, of images that are very, very simple to images that actually have masses of pre-production and production to actually produce the shots in the first place. This is before the process of Photoshop starts, uh, starts on them, you know. So uh, analyze the pictures and go, right, okay, I like these, this or, or this sector of the industry because the fashion magazines are, are specifically targeted at different people's lifestyles. So people identify with that particular magazine, for instance, I mean, the, the top of the tree um, has has been for a long, long time Vogue magazine, for instance, you know. Everybody as a photographer that shoots fashion aspires to shooting for Vogue. So that's the target. So you have a point of, of, uh, of, of achievement to follow. And so you've got to think, well, how am I going to get to that level? And I've, I've never really wanted to shoot for Vogue magazine. I might do if they ask me very nicely. I don't know. Um, <laughs> But you actually have to, nowadays, you have to sell your soul to the devil to get that, you know? And you have to sign your rights to the pictures over. Otherwise, they won't use you as an under contract. And I don't particularly, I don't like that philosophy. I believe my pictures, okay, they, they don't belong to me because they are, they're, they're always a collective group process to make them. Um, but as a photographer, they're your, they're your dream, they're your concept. But anyway, coming, coming back to this process, the mechanical process, look at images and say, right, okay, um, this area of life appeals to me because the magazines, again, reflect certain aspects of life. It might be street fashion. It could be high fashion. It could be couture as the sort of basic division of, of fashion. You've got to train your abilities as a photographer to shoot pictures that are in that same feel. Shoot pictures that actually that particular magazine that you really, really admire would appeal to them, you know, because they are the people who are possibly going to be giving you your showcase. How have you, how have you dealt with situations where, where the client was less than happy with what you gave them? I get very, very, very heartbroken if that occurs because the process of making images is uh, very involved, you know. And I don't think – I've had clients say they don't like pictures – but their motivation was slightly different. You know, their motivation was they wanted a reason not to pay for them. Hmm. You know, a client who was struggling or whatever it was. I, I mean, I, I can remember it. It's actually not that long ago. And they, they never paid me. In fact, the checks that they wrote to me bounced. <laughs> they, so that actually told me that, um, you know, these uh, the reasons why they didn't like the pictures were, you know, a, an, an ulterior motive. As a genuine, have I produced images that a client has rejected? Do you know, actually, I don't. I don't think I've actually been through that process. I've perhaps not taken the best pictures that I could take, but I've always taken pictures that will, my client will achieve, you know? Yeah. Oh, sorry, their objectives will achieve. 
do you think that's likely because the images that you're making are so collaborative that they're involved in the production of the photographs, so they can't necessarily say Ex- that exactly. Yeah, exactly. Because they, they, there's a, certain people want to art direct from their desk, you know, and that's impossible, you know. Um, you can't art direct after the event. You've actually got to communicate extremely well what is needed before the shoot process starts. Even in the, in the days of film, I would be showing my clients the Polaroids and shoot Polaroids until everything was perfect. So the clients have approved the pictures. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, they're approving right. the pictures as you're going along. And nowadays, with the digital age, of course, they can see it it's on screen, you know, they, um, and uh, during the process of a shoot, for instance. And uh, often what happens, actually, is what, the first couple of shots, the client actually, if it's a new client, for instance, they can be very involved in that process of actually looking at the first pictures that you take of the day. First pictures of the day is the benchmark. That's the, that's the storyline you've got to follow, and that's the, the approach and everything else has to follow that. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. that's setting the style, basically. You know? And I often find that what happens is the client, once, the, once we've been through that process of the first couple of shots under the belt, you know, and the client's happy, they tend to leave you alone with it. Do you know what I mean? It's like they're happy, they're confident that they're going to get the shoot images that they actually want. And I have, my, again, a big part of it is the desire and the need to actually achieve my client's objectives. So I listen to what the client actually has to say, you know, before we shoot. You know, I find out what their thoughts are, what their feelings are, what their philosophy is, what their storyline is, even to the point of the type of people that they're targeting their images at. And again, the key question is, do they want the pictures to sell off the page uh, or do they want the pictures to be a bit more loose and a bit more free and a bit more less stringent, you know? Yeah. Um, so listening to what the clients have to say. But again, uh, coming, coming back to this, this, this mechanical process, you know, fashion photographer needs to test and test and test and test. But actually, we're in the in their, right to the process of testing, they need to shoot a story. So they've got to invent fashion stories, like the fashion stories in magazines. When you speak to a client, for instance, an editor of a magazine or a designer, they want to see that you can produce a consistent story. So that's extremely important. So this is where people have to look at the magazines to say, right, okay, that's the type of thing I've got to do. Mm-hmm. Now, what you've got to do – now, remember, again, earlier on, I explained about the uh, fashion and fashion photography. It's a reflection of history. So let's say, for instance, 90% of it is, is history – as in unfamiliar and safe and 10% exciting and new. So the, the little part of it that's exciting and new is the thing that stimulates and keeps fashion recycling all the time. You know, you know fashion is it goes around in circles, doesn't it? I mean, every, every God knows how many years, it actually, ah, oh, the same things are back, okay? But there's always something exciting and new about it, you know? It's like the 1940s, but we've added this sparkle of color into it, you know? Or, but we've added this little bit extra, which people actually are stimulated by. It's the same emotions as like falling in love, you know? It's the same um, uh, parts of the brain that are stimulated when we're aroused, you know? That part of the brain is stimulated by things that are exciting and new. We all want something exciting and new. And it doesn't matter if it's clothing or it's a new car. It's that feeling. It's like a drug. And we are buying into that drug, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, by, except by buying fashion, we're actually stimulating a part of our brain, you know, um, that makes us feel good. 
So that as a photographer, you've got to add something to your pictures, which is different from the last guy. Do you know what I mean? You've got to have people want something fresh, exciting and new. And so, so the industry is recycling photographers all the time. Once you start shooting for Vogue, you'll shoot for them for a certain number of years, and then you're, oh, right, okay, I'm no longer shooting for them now, because they want something exciting and new. Sorry, go on. Yeah, well, why don't you tell us real briefly in terms of your, about your workshops, what's, what people can expect to learn, and, and where you're going to be uh, in the next uh, coming months. Uh, hopefully next month, I'm supposed to be doing New York, Chicago, Los Angeles, and Miami, um, all being well. I, I run my courses on a re- regular basis. I do uh, studio and location classes as a mixture. And sometimes I do like a combined studio and location where we do a day shooting in the studio and a day shooting on location and a day of other prepping and, um, and talking about it and looking at locations and sorting out equipment and stuff. Um, the basis of my courses is actually to teach people and to bring them through four major points for instance the first and most important one is actually to to teach people how to be an open person to teach people how to express themselves you know teach people how to voice their ideas you know the second one is teach people how to communicate third one is teaching people how to direct and the fourth one is uh teaching people how to be in control but that's a natural process if you know what i mean uh, if at the beginning of the process people learn how to be an open person, in which case they can communicate, in which case they can direct, and these things adding up, and they're practicing this over several days of uh, of a course, by the last day of uh, shooting, they are in control, and that's an important factor. So, I mean, so many people, they actually come and they start off, and they actually they have their little, um, how do I explain this? Their banter, you know, that sort of, uh, that's great, that's really great, cool, keep going that, yes, good, mm-hmm. good, yes, do more of that, do more of that, yes, 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 oh, yes, and do that, and do that, and do that, do more of the same, you know. And they get, they're excited by it all, you know, and they've got this thing going, they're communicating, but they're actually not directing, and they're definitely not in control. And when they look at their pictures, they go, ah, right, okay, um, they're not quite so great, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I haven't really got anything that's, that's, that I'm pleased with, you know, um, because they're, they're going through that process of communicating, you know, as in, but they're not really saying anything. I, w- I would say that 90, 90% of the students that come on the courses, their, their, their manner, they're usually by the, on the second day of shooting because they've actually overcome certain things, you know, but they actually haven't actually grasped hold of the directing aspect of it. And it can be quite disappointing, but uh, this is, again, a learning process. So I said, well, right, okay, let's have a look at the pictures and let's talk about the, the, the things that isn't in there. And I can usually look and I can say, well, I can see that you weren't directing, you know. And if I was actually there on the actual shoot itself, um, depending on, the sort of, uh, on, on, on how people are struggling or not struggling and stuff, I step in and I co-direct with them. So I direct them and I also direct their model and I, in, in like a triangle, if that makes sense, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, gotcha. And like, I don't know if you remember being taught to ride your push bike by your father. Um, I can remember, actually it was my big brother that taught me to ride my push bike, but he, he uh, without stabilizers on, <laughs> you know? Um, and I can remember him holding the back of my saddle 
Well, my last question is, uh, I always ask my guests to suggest or recommend another photographer for our listeners to um, explore or discover for themselves. Uh, you mentioned Barry Laddick in the very first time. So yes. um, I'd like you to recommend another photographer who uh, you think that would be of interest to our listeners. Um, unfortunately, you won't be able to hear him, I'm afraid, um, as in for an interview. But I certainly think it would be a good for any fashion photographer uh, or any aspiring fashion photographer to look at the classics and actually relate to, uh, like I do and still do and still have in my work, the influences of the classics going back to the Horse P. Horsts and the Cecil Beatons and the, and the, and the Dick Avedons, you know. And I think, it, but for other people to look at and certainly to do a, perhaps a talk about on your show, the work of Richard Avedon. And you need a photographer to talk about it. And I'm not an expert on Richard Avedon, but I'm sure you could find somebody who actually is, you know. But his work is inspiring. It's, when you look at it today, it, it could still fit in with, with today, you know. It's, uh, uh, he actually made incredible images. And, okay, he had obviously immense amounts of equipment and stuff, but he was shooting stuff on a 10.8 plate camera, for God's sake, you know. And and still getting incredible movement and and energy in his pictures, and this is something that I I'm in awe of. And not the last time, but the last time before I was in New York, I went to the uh, the Institute of Photography, which are called the ICP, International ICP. Center of Photography. And uh, it was fa- it was it was Fashion Week, as I say, not Fashion Week week, but as in they had a a whole um, uh, exhibition and talks and workshops and stuff for fashion. In fact, actually, when I went into the library to try and buy my book, you know, um, they said, oh, we've sold out. <laughs> because, because it had been this fashion um, exhibition thing going on, um, my book seemed to sell very well, which was very nice. Thank you very much. Well, Bruce, thank you for appearing on the show again. Uh, I appreciate not only your time, but, but your, your continued friendship. You are always a very special uh, guy to me. So thank you. And for I have a lot, of, a lot of respect for you my friend and uh i always enjoy our talks even offline so it's uh and uh, it's been been nice i could have talked for another three hours but uh i guess you have to limit the show to i don't know whatever 45 minutes or whatever it is but uh if anybody has any questions that they actually would like answered by all means drop me an email and if anybody wants to have a uh, learn how one of my pictures was taken or several of my pictures were taken. It's up to them. Uh, please just, just uh, take a copy and email it to me and say, how did you like this picture? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so any questions like that, please, uh, they, you know, by all means, please ask them. I'm, I'm always, always uh, available to sort of help other people. I mean, I, uh, uh, a statement of mine is that, uh, um, as to finish this off, is that uh, uh, everything that we actually have, every gift or every talent that, is, that, that we possess, doesn't actually belong to us and it can be taken away from us unless we share it. So, um, so I'm a great believer in sharing my knowledge or sharing what it is that I have because that gives me the right to be able to keep it. So, and, and where can people go to find out about your work and your workshops and all that? What's the, uh, 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 my website, Bruce Smith photographer.com. And that's my main commercial page or my main commercial site. And on the right hand side, you'll see a link that says Academy and, uh, follow that link and just cruise through the pages. Um, there's 
masses of information there about what people actually learn. The second page has a short breakdown of the key elements to what I actually teach. And then you can actually click and read further. And then there's a, a course page for each particular course that I have, which has more detailed information again. So, but by all means, if they have any questions that people want to ask, just send me an email. B.S at Mac.com. The Candid Frame is supported by donations from people just like you. You can help support the work we do here by visiting the website at thecandidframe.com and contributing using PayPal. You can also support the show by writing a review in the iTunes Music Store or by adding a link to the podcast on your website or blog. The editor for this show is Martin Taylor, who you can find at theothermartintaylor.com. Music is by Kevin McLeod. And this is Ibarian X, and this is The Candid Frame.